0: Today, the title of the sermon is The Blessed Life, The Blessed Life, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And I want to begin by reading that passage to you. Matthew chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit they will be called children of God blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people insult you persecute you falsely saying all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets word before you. The word of the Lord from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Not our way. Somehow, it's hard to imagine that those words that we just read, whatever these words of Jesus would ever be spoken at a graduation ceremony. You're ready to be an adult, go out into the world and achieve life, liberty, and the Pursue to happiness, and the graduation speaker says, "Let me tell you how you will find happiness and blessedness." And then says, "Blessed of the poor in spirit." We're never going to hear that, right? Um, Maybe if you go to a Christian college graduation, but in general, that's not how we do graduation speeches. We might expect to hear something more like. Blessed are those who embrace their personality, for they will have high self-esteem. Blessed are those who never cry or grieve, for they will be strong. Blessed are those who are religious, because they are good, decent people. Blessed are those who accumulate the latest gadgets, fashions, and toys, for they will have it all. Blessed are those who follow their dreams, follow their hearts. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for their truth, for they will know their real self. Blessed are those who assert themselves, for they will get what's due to them. Blessed are those who follow their emotions, for they will live in the moment. Blessed are those who can do life themselves, for they will receive independence. Blessed are the popular, for they will receive prayer. As Jesus begins his most
1: famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he starts by turning our notions of happiness, blessedness, and the good life, by turning all that on
0: its head. Now, what we just read in Scripture, we all know that it's shocking to American sensibilities. But you know what? It was shocking to Jesus' audience when he first said it as well. So when he first said that, it's first century Judaism. At that time, there was a well-known book called the Book of Sirach, also called the Book of Ecclesiasticus, don't confuse that with the Old Testament Book of Ecclesiastes. It was a Jewish wisdom book written by a Jewish scribe by the name of Ben Surah, that's where the name of the book, Sirach comes from. It's written about 200 B.C. and is very popular when Jesus walked the earth. In Sirach 25, it says this, I can think of nine whom I would call blessed, and a tenth my tongue proclaims, a man who can rejoice in his children, a man who lives to see the downfall of his foes, happy the man who lives with a sensible wife, and the one who does not plow with ox and ass together. Happy is the one who does not sin with the tongue, and the one who has not served
1: an inferior. Happy is the one who finds a friend, and the one who speaks to attentive listeners. How great is the one
0: who finds wisdom. So, same kind of mindset. In in what that culture, 2,000 years ago, was being told was the blessed life and the successful life. So Jesus takes a common wisdom of the day, then and now, and flips it on its head. We're going to find a common refrain in the Sermon on the Mount, which Jesus says over and over, You have heard that it was said, but I tell you, and then restates it something different. We think we know the path to life. But Jesus is telling us no, you don't. You have heard one thing but I am telling you what is true. So we should perk up in the Sermon on the Mount on the words of Jesus which is the Sermon on the Mount. This section of scripture that we've just read It's called the Beatitudes. And Beatitude comes into the English from the Latin. It's a Latin word that means simply blessed. So, the Beatitudes, the blessed ones. Jesus is revealing to us those who are blessed in this life for eternity. In Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham, I will bless you. I will bless your offspring and they will be a light to the nations. think Jesus is saying to us this is what it means to be a child of the promise he's telling us now that, that we can be a child of that promise made to Abraham and Sarah and to their children those that come behind them this is what it means to be a child of the promise, what it means to be near to the heart of God and so the question that we may want to ask ourselves this
1: morning is are you or in spirit. If you are, congratulations. You're blessed. God sees you.
0: He is near the broken heart. So the posture of the Christian life, maybe you've heard this old saying, God helps those who help themselves. Has anybody not heard that? Right? It's a common saying, a common refrain. God helps those who help themselves. You know what? Even though that's much repeated, that is blatantly unbiblical. <laughs> These words that we read today of Jesus tell us definitely that the ones God helps are those who realize they are helpless without him. It has been said that in this passage, Jesus is using the image of posture or body language in the structure of the Beatitudes. And so we're going to approach those verses today with
1: that in mind. And the first posture, for the first body language, um, are the poor. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they
0: will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So Jesus is telling us we got it all wrong when it comes to what brings blessing. You can leave here today and just ask someone what brings happiness, and you're very likely to get the answer more and then fill in the blank, more of something. More of this will bring me happiness. More of that leads to happiness. So we live with this notion that more, more piled into our arms is how we receive blessing. Jesus asked us, do you want to be blessed? I think what he's telling us is that if you want to be blessed, you have to have empty hands first. If we come to God with empty hands, he'll fill them. If we come with full hands, he has no place to put himself in our life. I recently read the story of a man who went to college, was advancing in his career, had notable success. He says he had a great family, a beautiful wife, significant achievements, and
1: and he's just piling all this
0: good stuff into his life. And he says, and Jesus was in his life, but as another addition to all this good stuff, another addition to a life of more. And then
1: when this man was 27
0: years old, his son was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And he says he then went through a season of severe depression. It felt like his life fell apart and he found himself completely helpless, out of control of his own life, uncertain of the future, terrified of what would happen. He got to a place with empty hands and he noticed he had nowhere to go, nothing to show God he thought before in his life that he had stuff to show God because look looked at all he was doing, right? But now his hands were empty. He had nothing to show God. And he says that figuratively and literally, he hid his knees before God. And what he discovered was that God began to fill his empty hands with himself. God began to place himself into this man's life like he had never known. So, for those who are here today who are poor or mourning, who feel like no one understands you, no one sees you, no one empathizes with you, those who are lonely, tired, depressed, brokenhearted, at rock bottom, listen, God's heart is with you. He sees you. has not forgotten you according to this passage the words of jesus christ you are blessed because you recognize your poverty because your self-sufficiency has been stripped away you know you have nothing the first step in a 12-step program a few examples are alcoholics anonymous narcotics anonymous and there's a, a Christian, specifically Christian version of, of a step program called Celebrate Recovery that I really have great respect for. It's based on faith in Jesus Christ and works the
1: steps in an exclusively biblical way. Um, but in those step programs, there is a notion
0: that... Um, first step is believing in a higher power and admitting that your life, that you are powerless, your life is unmanageable. You admit, in other words, that you're poor, meat, and mourning. And once you come to believe that, to truly believe that, then you can come to believe in a higher power which we know to truly be Jesus Christ. You can then find the healer. There's this notion that those who go to 12-step meetings or, or go to counseling or therapy, that those people have something wrong with them. And I just want to encourage you that if you think that, Jesus seems to be saying in this passage today that maybe They're further ahead than you realize because they've admitted that they're powerless, their life is unmanageable, and that they need the one who is greater to enable them and guide them. Jesus tells a story in Scripture that seems to sum up the first four blessings that we've read. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you, I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get." But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Listen to what Jesus says. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The first pastor who ever mentored me was once told that Christianity is a crutch. He responded, no, it's not. It's a whole hospital. <laughs> and, and I think it was actually, you know, he was told that Jesus is in Christ. He said, no, he's not. Jesus is the whole hospital. Um, but notice the progression of these first four blessings poor, more, meat, hunger. It's a progression of downward steps. But then, each one ends with a look upward. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. So the poor's find blessing. and are the blessed ones. And then the next posture that we find in this passage is the fools. We have the poor's, now we have the fools, F-U-L-L-S. Now that God has filled our hands, we allow all his blessings to overflow through our lives to others and to God. So, in this section, the merciful receive mercy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, Blessed are the
1: merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Oftentimes, in life in general, and especially
0: in the church, the people who are the most gracious, the most merciful, the most generous, are the ones that have received the most mercy. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 18 of a guy who had been forgiven a large debt he owned. And then he turns right around and refuses to forgive someone else of a small little debt. Jesus might have been using humor here. Um, You know, I I can kind of see, you know, this man was forgiven more than he could ever hope to pay back. And he's just forgiven of his debt, set free. And then he turns right around and won't forgive somebody who owes him this tiny little thing. You know, how absurd is that? And so maybe, maybe, you know, Jesus is using this, this big example and, and he's saying that someone who truly recognizes what they have been forgiven of will be merciful towards others. And then the pure in heart, they're going to see God. Matthew chapter five, verse eight. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. What a promise. So when when we are captivated by God's mercy, we want more of him. We begin to see lesser things for what they are, lesser. And we see God for who he is, the great one. There's a legend about Leonardo da Vinci. We don't know if it really happened, but the story has been told for centuries. About Leonardo da Vinci, when he was painting a picture of Jesus, and some boys came by and knocked over his supplies, and he yelled and cursed at them and ran after them to chase them off. Then he went back to paint some more. And he said, couldn't finish. He went out and found the boys and apologized to them for his behavior. He said later, I couldn't see Jesus fully until I dealt with my sin. Isn't that us? Doesn't our own sin um, keep us from seeing Jesus fully? Wouldn't it be a good thing if we like took a break from pointing the finger at others and ascribing to others every bad thing we could possibly come up with and think about where we're at personally. According to the legend, that's exactly the process Leonardo da Vinci went through. Couldn't see Jesus fully until I dealt with my own sin. So, the pure in heart, as we seek good and right and true and beautiful, our eyes defocus on Lesser things and focus on Jesus. I thought of this song turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow dim. in the light of his glory. And so the more we turn from our sins. The more we purify our hearts and fix our eyes on Jesus, the more clearly we will see
1: him. Next are the peacemakers. They're called children of God.
0: Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So, the world is full of people who spin their energy and their focus ascribing the worst motive for everything somebody else does. And for sucking the joy out of every situation. And for can't wait to talk about them behind their back because they're so messed up. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I thank God for peacemakers. In every family, Every office, every schoolroom, and every church. So there's this progression poor, mourning, meat, hungry, to overflowing to others and to God through the blessings that God gives those who live for Him. And now, Jesus makes this shocking statement Blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, probably not going to be in the graduation
1: speech. Blessed are those who are persecuted. So the third posture, the
0: third body language in this passage is the afflicted. We have the pores, we have the fools, and now F U L L S, and now the afflicted. Matthew chapter five, verses ten through twelve. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's a true story of a young man in a church in the United States. As an international student, his family was not Christian. They are they identified with another religion. But his family is wealthy, like very wealthy. And, and when this young international student became a Christian, it was a family scandal. He's the only child. The inheritance should be him, but they can't give the inheritance to a young man who has shamed the family by converting to Christianity. His dad explained to him, son, you were due to inherit $1.2 billion, but you must renounce
1: Christianity. And if you don't, not only will you lose the money, but we will have to disown you.
0: I don't know about you, but where I come from, $1.2 billion, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and I can't imagine the thought of losing my family. But this young man refuses to renounce Jesus. Why? Because he is convinced that great is his reward in heaven. So I
1: wonder what the disciples that were sitting there below Jesus on that mountainside that day
0: when Jesus gave this sermon. I wonder what they were thinking. Because up to this point, till now, following Jesus was great. He was healing and delivering people, raising them from the dead, teaching with amazing wisdom, revealing spiritual truth with power. And they were probably thinking, this is going to end well for us. But now, in these last few verses of the Beatitudes, Jesus foreshadows for them what was to come. And he doesn't say it explicitly here, but they're going to die for him. All of them did. Died for their faith in Jesus Christ. But they would first come to know their reward, in heaven is great. And that's why they were willing to die for him. In Acts chapter 5
1: verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy. Of suffering disgrace for the name.
0: And the name, name is capitalized. And is talking about the name Jesus. So I want to leave you with this. We must receive before we achieve. So, we read these verses, we listen to the the Beatitudes, it sounds difficult, it sounds impossible, costly, painful, and it is. But I think there's a problem that sometimes occurs in the teaching of this passage because
1: it is viewed by some is a list of commands to go and do.
0: But these aren't commands. Jesus doesn't say, be poor. Jesus isn't saying, go cry, go mourn something. Jesus says, blessed are. And then describes those who are blessed. And what is that blessing? Well, we're told that it's the kingdom of heaven. The blessing is comfort, satisfaction. The blessing is the earth, mercy. The blessing is seeing God, being called a child of God. So how do if we don't go out and do this and earn it, how do we get these things? Um, we don't go out and earn it. Beatitudes are not commands on how to earn. Your salvation. They're an invitation. This is this is an invitation from Jesus. This is a leading by Jesus of us into God's favor. The beatitudes, these blessings, these blessed ones, tell us how to receive God. And I'm convinced that before. We see the Beatitudes in our own life. We must see them in the life of Jesus. From 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, speaking of Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was born in spirit. Jesus was me. He mourned. He hungered and thirsted. Jesus was merciful. Jesus was pure in heart. Jesus was a peacemaker. And for sure, Jesus was persecuted. Now, Jesus obeyed the law perfectly, and you and I never could. But to those who who are humble enough or in spirit enough to admit we can't help ourselves, Jesus comes in and offers us his reward. I want to close by reading this to you again. I want to do it as our closing prayer. So um, the words will be on the screen. You can read along. If it would help me, close your eyes and just receive these words from Jesus to you. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek; for they will inherit
1: the earth. Blessed
0: Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, for people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week. Be blessed.